Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is March 24th. Andy, how we doing? Brendan, I'm doing great. I, uh, I've i got vacation uh, next week, uh, big family vacation. So just prepping, uh, prepping the, the, to get ready for that, which is, I, I mean, it's not great. It's, it's a lot of work, you know. What do you mean? Traveling as a whole family? It's just the, the prep. To do it always makes almost makes it not worth it, right? Is that what you're suggesting? Yes. Why don't I just yes. stay in my daily routine and not have to do all this to go to vacation? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. Getting traveling with family vacations, you need a vacation from the vacation. Usually, when you get back, you're more or less happy to be back into some normalcy, some routine, some comforts. Uh, but yeah, best of luck to you. You got to fly. Mean, fly- Flying with a toddler is just a disaster. I've heard. I've heard this publicized in a few different channels. Yeah, it, it can be a challenge. What's up with you? Nothing. What's new? Nothing at all. Just just hanging out, enjoying the WGC match play. Um, this is good. It's really windy at, at Austin Country Club, as often happens there, down, down on the river. But uh, it's been a good watch the last couple of days. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Jordan Spieth's doing, you know, goofy things where, you know, he's ricocheting off fans into phones, landing on car paths, getting drops, getting up and down, making 30-foot putts, almost winning the hole, but, you know, having the hole in Taylor Montgomery. So uh, I'm really into the match play this year. Usually I have just like ready for masters type fatigue. Not to say that's no comment on the actual substance of the event. It's not a bad event. It's just I'm ready for the masters. But I've been really locked in these last two days. And on that, for that reason, I have a question for you. Who are you more concerned about from last year's final round grouping at the country club? Will Zalatoris or Matt Fitzpatrick? Both. Great question. Two, I was going to ask you about Will Zalatoris. You know, we did this top 10. Who's most likely to follow the top 10 thing? When was that? At the start of the year? Mm-hmm. And like we just like I don't see any of these guys fall. They're so consistent. They're so good. Who's gonna fall out? These guys are both struggling. Uh, Fitzy, Fitz has been a problem. He's just not been real strong. Nothing like what we saw last year. Nothing like that top bona fide top ten player. Um, a lot of stuff going on. I think you know with with agents and things like that. And I think both of them, to be fair, are probably hurt. Right, they're not a hundred percent. Fitzy has this neck thing going on. That he's talked about, or there's been alluded to, and Salatoris obviously coming off the the hip back issue that's changed the way he swings. Both though, like just major threats. Everybody's in love with them at every major. Like can't find can't find it right now. Really getting boat raced in Austin, and and hadn't played great before that. Who are you more concerned yeah. about? I mean, this is a great question. I think um, when you think about the two of them, I, in a way, I, I'm probably. I mean, the putting, the putt yesterday was downright shocking and frightening from Dale Torres. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that while he's playing elite golf, though, right? We've seen bad. Bad, we've seen bad putts. strokes, but it's just- I don't think we've seen something like that. <laughs> that was at a whole different level. And I think like if you look into last week or last time we saw him play, um, the putting was really, really bad. At players, right? TPC Sawgrass. Yeah. I don't think he was particularly. I think he lost there. like six shots to the field that day. Yeah. Um, yeah, or that, that week. I just... I don't. The back injury is scary too. With that, right? 
of of the two injuries, you're more worried about that. Sure. Yep. Yep. Now the the flip side to Zell Torres is like, you know, we haven't seen him like really stink in a major yet in his career, right? Is this all like are we gonna be like, why did we even doubt him at into into the major season? I right? see what you're saying. Yeah. Um now like Fitzy. You know, the, both these guys are going through what, what you see in pro golf. Like, there are peaks and valleys, right? And I kind of think Fitzy's is, is a valley right now, right? Yeah. You know, but there's very few players that stay at the in the top 10. I mean, that was the whole point of doing that top 10 exercise. Right. It's like right. people you don't expect to fall out, fall out every year. And maybe Fitzy is that this year. Um, obviously, that I think his life changed a lot with that U S open win. And I am sure that that is difficult to deal with. Right. All of a sudden. Netflix you know, are too. Big Netflix. Net, well, he's got Netflix. I know, I know he's got, he's got a new romantic interest in his life. Um, I know there was a split with a manager. Yep. So when you add those all up, it's just a lot of change. And one of the things that, you know, Life impacts your golf maybe more so than any other sport because mentally it's such a taxing sport. So listen, like I think like he kind of captured everybody's hearts in that Netflix uh, show because of how maniacally focused he was on golf. And, you know, when you have change in your life, all of a sudden maybe golf takes a backseat for a little while and maybe that's what we're seeing. I, I'm not concerned long term. I would be I'm slightly concerned just about the injury with Zalatoris. The putting is always gonna be it it just you know, we joke about Jordan Spieth being duct tape boy. And that putting stroke feels like duct tape to me. I mean, I remember last year the putting was bad and then they figured out they moved a perimeter weight somewhere in the putter. And it's like nobody else is dealing with that kind of thing that Zalatoris is on the greens. He seems like a really smart guy, really good at listening to, uh, insightful. He's great on the NLU pod. But also, there's some cognitive dissonance there, I think, about some of the putting. It's some sort of tricking yourself going on. Um, and maybe a little surliness, too. I'm not sure he's like the... I kind of like this quote about not wanting to do Netflix going forward. Like, ah, I'm just like stay below the radar guy. I don't want to, I don't need to do this. Uh, but I, I think he, he has a little, little surliness to him. Um, a lot of, I would say a lot of surliness. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, love, I'm not I, saying that as a, I, I like love his edge, you know? Right. I, I he's a, he's a very much a keep, I keep the receipts kind of guy. And I think, what I are think they going to say now? Per- I think as a professional athlete, that's like the best mentality you could have. I think the thing is that he's got a very, um, in in terms of golf, he's got a very, very, very big skeleton in the closet with that putting stroke. It's not in the closet. It's out there dancing in the middle of the living room. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing is like, there, there's like 1% of professional golfers will ever hit a putt like he hit yesterday <laughs> that we watch on TV. Like, right. I, I but the- like I, nobody, I would, I would venture to guess outside of like Keegan and the, the arm lock gang. I mean, like Rory McElroy or John Rahm have never ever in their life hit a putt the way that Zalator. And I don't think that that need, that can't be overstated that that is just lurking and at any moment can like rear frankly yeah. r- ruin a career um i agree that we've seen him hit these garbage like really un- ungodly strokes but also while he's contending the other stuff seems to not be there though this, at the moment now either like he's really struggling and, and that maybe just kind of he said he wasn't going 100% yet as he comes off the injury so maybe he shows up at Augusta and is lit up what? You can't compare this to the toe putts that go in. <laughs> this was like a, a clear attempt to do what he's figured out how to avoid. Yes. Yeah. 
And it was like, oh, I didn't get it locked into the right spot. And it just, I mean, I've never seen somebody hit a putt like that on TV. Uh, I was going to talk about how great it would be Ricky Fowler to see Ricky Fowler play his way into the Masters. I'm really rooting for Ricky. I'm all in. I wanted to talk about something a little more positive than Zala, Torres, and uh, Fitzy kind of being down. But now he's getting he's getting boat raced by the by the baton boy. Who I Harris English just boat raced uh, Zalatoris. Oh yeah, who got boat raced himself yesterday? Harris did. My I can't remember whom exactly, but uh, Fox yeah. Fox by, Ryan uh, Fox. Yeah, guy guy that wasn't uh, wasn't in the uh, non member the Genesis Rivi- yeah Riviera. So yeah, Fowler, another great story. God, I would love to. St- I I'm so pulling for Ricky. Like we've given him ample shit about overexposure, too many ads, but he seems like a great human being. And if he if, if his window's probably closed, might be closed, but you know, if he could get back, it would just be a fabulous story to see him both contending at majors and e- even in majors. So. Um, Maybe he'll get a special exemption. He hasn't not not stopped him before not being exempt. PGA. I thought him beating Rom would be like mean something quite a bit to him, but you know, golf is day to day, and eighteen hole match play is fickle, and now he's getting kind of popped by Billy Boy. But they're through eleven. We're recording here early. Any other thoughts on match play? Or you never know what's going to happen with Billy Boy. Yeah, you start turning, coming back towards when you go out on the river, right? For all those. Those those later holes after like 12, 13, 14, uh, you know, maybe that baton gets caught up in the wind, blows out to sea. You never know what could happen with Billy Boy when he gets on a uh, on tilt. Any other match play thoughts here? No? We good? Great event. I love it. Lock I, in. Yeah, it's so, an amazing event. S- Saturday's your day. It's around a 16, Saturday morning, right? That's like the best sort of consolidated viewing. Um, seems like we're getting a lot of the top guys winning early on here. Um, Ed Corrales, Punta Cana Championship. You'll be pleased to know the bottom of the leaderboard is the bottom of the leaderboard. What you expected, Danny Chops, John Rollins. It's the PGA Tour Live Zone. Guys whose full-time job is, is network television. Did the, ch- Arjun did the jump get in? Uh, I do not see him in. I wonder if he went down there just waiting around on the range. He's a junk man. Watching the grass. Oh, look at now. Here's the here's the the opposite of that. JJ Henry four under through seven. Yes, lighting it up. He could see a two two year another two year exemption just right in his in his periphery. What if he's playing? What if he's playing elevated events next year because of this <laughs> Corrales win? It, can that happen? Can you really like? I think I don't think opposite field would get you enough. I guess you got to play well some other places to get the points. <laughs> I think to be top fifty. But uh, another well, of course guy making... can't get you enough because there was uh, Martin Trainer won and didn't make the FedEx Cup playoffs a few years ago. Wasn't Wait, that is that it? The playoffs entirely? I think so. Herman I, did it. I... Jim Herman, I think, did that. Jim Barbasol and didn't get in somebody, the 125. Yeah, I knew somebody so. did it. They finished like 132 and and won a tournament. It's like that's... a farce of the two-year exemption. Trainer, the French socialist, is on his horse again, coming for his biennial pop every other year at an opposite field event to just linger on tour for a decade by missing 75 cuts in a row and occasionally getting some points at a biennial, uh, you know, uh, oppo field event. He's he's you, D6. You know who we need to monitor on the on the leaderboard because yeah. of his recent social media activity? Just who? just coming out of nowhere is what? now who? you know commenting on everything. Who? Michael Kim. Oh, he is. What's <laughs> going on? There. I love he's it. He's takes. out there. I like it. I just have he's he's a reply guy. He, every every tweet I see, he's down there in the replies. He's 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 taking Fratelli's Instagram activity to Twitter, and I'm I'm here for it. On the occasion of being an Austinite, we got a, an amusing text from an Austinite who said the tailor he went to has all these celebrities on the wall: Matthew McConaughey, these Austin, Colt McCoy, Dave Franco, and then there's a picture of. <laughs> 
frugal fratelli also on the wall like he's like and they had to put a giant <laughs> pj tour logo on it over like his shirt just to confirm like this is a professional golfer because it's matthew mcconaughey everybody knows who everybody else. cole mccoy was like who's this guy they put a big pj tour logo next to her on top overlaid on the picture with the but he's on the wall like the old barber shop or deli where everybody famous comes in it's a pretty fun fun intel from the austin uh an austin tailor shop follow-up question is frugalite pain if you go to a tailor and frugalite's on the wall are you, do you concerned do you think You're do you think g- he told the tailor who he was yes yes i mean this tailor and i don't want to you know profile he looks like a tailor. He looks like he's probably four foot nothing. He might be from Italy. Has no idea who Dylan Fratelli is. No clue. Could not possibly follow golf with close enough lens to know who Dylan Fratelli is. And he Do probably th- told him that he was a famous golfer and he got up on the wall and got free tailoring services. Do you think Fratelli's telling everyone he runs into that he plays on the PGA Tour? <laughs> In Austin? Just anywhere. Do you think he's yeah? Like, probably. How quickly, probably. Quickly before yeah. He tells people yeah. You gonna make me pay this PPE surcharge? I play on the PGA Tour. Damn it! Like he wants to preempt that those kind of. I charges. could. I could see him like trying to get like the perks of like table reservations and stuff, and saying he's a PGA Tour player. I could see him being. I wonder. I wonder if there's like a PGA Tour concierge who like helps like set up the baseball games and stuff around town. And I wonder if for, I could see Fratelli being like the, uh, the most um, requ- the biggest requester of the PGA tour concierge. If there was one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure he's hammering that <laughs> Justine Reed levels of hammering that probably, you know, well, he worked, he worked this event last year because he could give media dining while he's in town. He lives in town. He doesn't have to go down the street to Cava. He can go to the event and get free lunch. So, um, I mean, we're, How about, we're Hey, Max, Max McGreevy. I saw that. T2, your guy. My guy. Max McGreevy's a good player. <laughs> Struggled to break 90 almost at the players, but he's back. He's feasting at Corrales. Uh, hey, who are you more worried about, Fitzy or Zalatoris? Uh, I, I think the Zalatoris stuff, like Zalatoris has a higher ceiling. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. But the concerns are, are more, uh, feel, yes, more long lasting, more potentially ruinous, whether that's back injury or uh, a putting stroke that's can get yippy at times. So yes, I would say Zalatoris the concerns are more could be much more alarming, uh, even though I expect bigger things of him and more consistent things of him. So. Is is uh, is is Fitzy a regional bank and Zalatoris is Bitcoin? <laughs> Not a bad analogy on this Friday. A little Friday like, analogy time. Like you know, you know, Fitzy, he's going to have struggles, but. He, his his motivation is going to bail him out, like the like the Fed's going to bail out the regional bank. But Bit- Bitcoin could go could go through to the moon, I mean, but it also could just you know maybe it's not Bitcoin, maybe it's like Dogecoin. <laughs> I think that's a there little disrespectful some- <laughs> to Zalatoris's potential in prior work, but maybe I, I'm not totally familiar familiar intimately familiar with these alt currencies that are going on. I'm happy I wasn't involved, quite honestly. Uh, I guess that makes me a Neanderthal. Um, I I think Fitzy's pretty fundamentally sound. I have I'm not worried about him falling off the face of the earth. That's that's I don't the think thing. He's gonna is win like a bunch of majors, a ton more majors, but he's fun. I think the thing the thing with Fitzy is that you know that they're like if he has a bad year, that he his prior record of like of self improvement and is going to kick in and he's going to like figure out what happened this year. Right. Like to me, the, the external things are the, the Zalatoris things are like the back is scary. The back and hip is just super scary in general. Sure. And then the putting is yep. super scary. Yep. Big threats. So Let's- maybe, maybe a, uh, a, uh, a Bitcoin boy, Charlie Belgian could, uh, 
could weigh in help if out that analogy works. Taurus. Well, he'd be probably a little t- too prevalent, too too Bitcoin biased. Um, Maybe right. he's an NFT. Well, I mean, what that, you remember he's that? Just down that right came now. and he's went just like down. It But it, it's just down. It's not gone. It's just down right now. Could go. Um, could have another resurgence. It's early Thursday. Every everywhere else, Ashley Buhai is tied for first in the drive. Han, no word on I her caddy. What her husband's doing? <laughs> Lot her caddy. Her husband caddies for somebody else. I just threw I that out there uh, like Lee a meatball six. over the middle for you. Lee Six is uh, she's tied is she in the field. She's they're both tied at first. T one. What 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 do you think he would do if they're if they're bad duking it out? Uh, on Sunday uh, for you probably just find a way to be in the camera shot as much as possible he's become the story caddying for a- the entire coverage on Sunday will yeah. just be about him caddy isn't his name David David Buhai that sounds fun that sounds right sounds familiar so there's three tied it's very early Thursday they're out west and wherever surprise mountain or whatever the hell it's called gold canyon Arizona um all right news U.S. Amateur is changing its qualification system from um, a one-day 36-hole qualifier to a more U.S. Open-ish, not fully U.S. Open style, local plus sectional. 18 local, 18 sectional. I don't think we got a lot of uh, specifics on dates, right? Like uh, It's going to be like 45 sites for locals. I assume sectionals will be, you know, what, 10 to 12? Uh, I don't think we got that. I could be wrong. Um, also changing some of the other exemptions, state amateur winners are now getting exempt. There's more emphasis on some uh, exempt. It's some it depends. Depends on the depth. You're exempt into the, the low, the exempt into the sectional qualifying effectively final, qualifying, okay, that's, whatever they're going to call it. But yeah. then some States will be exempt into the tournament. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, so yes, they, they didn't go into like exact specifics exemptions for state AGA regional national amateur champions based on established criteria and historical Wager Wager event power rankings, expansion of Wager exemption category to the full top 100 ranked. It was previously the top 50. So that's a big expansion. Um, and then establishment of local exemption, which includes top finishers and USGA championships, state AGA amateurs and top 600 Wager players. Do you have any thoughts on this? Lots. It's a Lots pretty dramatic thoughts. departure, right? It's not some nip and tuck tweaking. It's a significant overhaul, I would say. Yeah, I think this is this is big. I I, I think there are some strengths and I, I think that like anything, there's some good things and some maybe some things that you could wonder why the the thinking behind it. Um obviously um the fields are going to be significantly stronger. You're, you're getting more top players automatically in. Um, I think the state am I would, I'd love if it was just, you win your state am you're in. I think that would be super cool. You win your state championship. Um, being somebody that has played in state ams for a lot of their life, like that would be an awesome carrot to add to it. And if you think about like I, I, in my state, if I go down the list of guys that won the state am while I was playing in them, they're all very, very good players who play professionally at some sort of level right now. Um, I think the, it's a cool thing to filter down. It's a really cool, like filters down, makes everything stronger. Yeah. It makes, it makes the qualifier stronger. It makes like, it just, it's a, Big thing for the local golf associations. I'd love for them to just say all 50 are in. The reality is like, you know, one year at our state am Nick Hardy won. You know, he probably, I think at that point was qualifying based off his Wagger rate ranking. So it's not going to yeah. be 50. It'll be 35, 35 to 40 guys, right? You're probably going to have some overlap. Going to 100 Wagger, I I mean, I guess I struggle with this. Um you're using a, rank, a ranking system that is like very skewed to college golf, right? Like the highest Wagger rated events are unavailable to most amateur golfers. And I think that's a little bit of a, you know, it's not like the OWGR, right? This is not the same thing, right? You you can play your way up and, you know, I don't think the OWGR is great. 
Um, I think the biggest thing that I have a problem with is just when you start to do the back of the ma- napkin math on how much time and money is going to take for a regular person to qualify for the USAM. Um, a local, a sectional, or final, whatever you want to call it. Two days off work, multiple travel well, days, maybe, maybe you know, at least one probably to sectionals. So, if you think about the way qualifiers work, the USGA qualifiers, like if you live in an, a general urban area, there's going to be a qualifier near you within right. driving distance. Um, if you live rurally, you're you've always had to travel and stay. That that you know, has always been the plight of a rural golfer is that they never get to play close to home. Um, so all of a sudden you're introducing with this final qualifying, there's like 19 final qualifying sites. Is that like the majority of people are going to have to travel to a destination for final qualifying. Um, some people are going to have to travel for both. What used to be $150, and if you wanted to play practice rounds, just on average, practice rounds are about $50 to $70 to $100. I've seen some charge up to $200. They have no control over what people charge for practice rounds. So let's just call it $100. You've taken something that used to cost $250. And if you do, if I go from local through and I have to call, if I have to travel to both, you've just taken something from a a two-day commitment with a practice round to a four-day commitment and over $1,000 with travel, like hotel costs, practice rounds, and entry fees. That doesn't seem in the spirit of of the championship, frankly. Um, If you're talking about the game of golf, it doesn't feel... It just doesn't feel like the fabric of the USGA and everything they've done over the last, you know, 50 years. I, um, I just think about like a middle-class family that makes, let's just say the family makes $150,000 a year. Um, how do you justify a thousand dollars to attempt to qualify for the USAM? If your kid wants to, wants to try and qualify like that to me is the issue is that this is a dreamers championship. Like the identity of USGA events is about the dreamers. And to me, this closes the door on the viability of dreamers and that, and it makes it more like a lot of the other amateur events that we see. The Western am is pretty much a a straight invitational. The other, the big, all the other big, Amateur events are invitationals for the most part without with a little qualifying. This was the qualifying tournament. And I just it I, I don't I just I struggle like listen, like they've made two big announcements. I really struggle with like was there somebody in the room that said, Hey, this is how much it's gonna cost? It was and did anybody talk about this? Because like are we trying to limit like one of the beauties of every other sport in America really is like basketball to play high level basketball. I need a basketball and shoes and I can work my way up. Right. Obviously AAU is expensive, but like if you're good, you're going to get taken care of. You're going to find a team and a lot of the costs are, are controlled baseball. You know, you need a glove and a bat, you know, you know, tennis, you need a rack and a ball. Obviously, court time is expensive, right? That's an elite sport, like a, an elitist sport in general. But like, this is making golf more of a rich person sport. And that's where I struggle with. And like, I, there are a lot of mid-ams crying. Like, I don't, you know, this isn't about mid-ams. This is about like the kids. 17, 18. Yeah. That aren't from, who aren't from country clubs, who don't have the means, like, I mean, like, think about a hundred and fifty thousand income household. That's how how many of those people are are there out there? I I, I mean, it's not what, none. What, how big a pro- pervasive of a person is that being jammed here? I I mean, I think it's that's to... a lot of, of the population. Yeah, 
I mean, like, I mean, what are you outlaying for your your kids' recreational budget? Too right? much as someone is going through youth sports right now, especially in so, it's not even golf. Like, yeah. imagine just one tournament you're trying trying to get into, and it's a thousand dollars. Um. So there was. I, I don't want to jump to conclusions here. How much do you think? Like, this is like. Part of the USGA's DNA. Probably not part of Mike Wan's DNA. Um, the amateur side of things. The non-revenue generating things, right? I mean, you're, the, the USAM is not a huge revenue generator, right? We saw the story of this in Golf Digest about how they're trying to collect like half a million dollars donations from really rich people to like ensure the financial vi- future of the Curtis, of the Curtis and walker cup which is like i mean as sacred to the usga as anything i it's just like is this being done to make it more democratic to guarantee there was a a guy in alex wayne who like analyzes the data did like ran a sim on like last year's field and what what would have happened if you got this year's qualifications and you get like it's an interesting thing you get like a wider spread you got you end up with a match play that's probably mostly top 100 Wager players, marquee players. Is that making this event more marketable? But you also get a lot of AMs who are not top 1,000 because they get hot for two, you know, these 18 hole runs, two 18 hole runs, uh, you know, final and local. So it's, it's, are they trying to make this more revenue generating by having more like of these as better golfers are better, younger or more marquee or more hyped college golf's on more than anything, anything, or are they just trying to make it more democratic, making a good faith effort to make it more democratic? Listen, like I'm not going to sit here and argue that the virtues of having a stronger field is better for the, the tournament. Right. You know, right. Sure. But it is like kind of like a chicken or the egg situation here. I feel like, and you know, it, I don't know. It, it, you know, the decision is made. I, I, I don't, I think there are two sides of this thing. Like there are very, very clear benefits of this. And I think like, that's the tough thing about making decisions like this, right? Is that in one way you're going to have a better product and probably, you know, more of a monetization opportunity from having a better product. Right. Um, but on the flip side, like, you know, I, I nobody knows who these guys are anyway. There's a thousand people who know who the top 15 college golfers are, right? right? <laughs> As someone who who wrote who has written about college and amateur golf, I could tell you that the audience is not huge even when you're the only <laughs> one writing about it. All right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. like the thing about it is like the stories are what the USAM is about and I would guess that when you make this change you lose some of the stories. Yeah. I mean, last year we had a guy who made the gold boy t-shirts moving hey, his one way other, through the bracket. Go ahead. W- one other quick thing about just like you're talking about like four days of, of get the golf tournament thing. Yeah. Beyond the financial means, the time ne- needs of parents, say your kid's 15, your kid can't go to these things by themselves. So you're also a parent's got to take time off work to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's going to be a problem. One one day is the the beauty of it for everybody involved was one day. Yeah, one day 36 hole qualifier, 312 was it the field? 312. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. I don't know. I I think if you have a high level amateur kid you just you take the day off work. You figure out how to get off work. You you you've already planned for that potential success, but maybe not. There may be some where this has become prohibitive. Uh, we'll see. Anyways, a little little niche topic, but one we feel like you know strongly about and and worth analyzing. One I don't feel strongly about is a tailor made golf ball survey. You can read about that in the Friday newsletter. I'll just defer all my takes to that. My favorite part of the whole thing, and I made a gif for the newsletter for this is that you can answer, no, I don't really understand this rule. And then proceed to the next question and say, do you agree with it? (laughs) 
So you can you can establish yourself as not being qualified to understand what you're talking about in this tailor-made survey, and then go to the next question and say, I hate this. Bifurcation sucks. The model local rule, uh, the balls are going not going too far. It's not an issue. That's my favorite part. TaylorMade, of course, wrote like a three-paragraph intro to this survey about how we believe everybody should play the same equipment like talk about like leading the the responders into their the question like what is this affirmation feedback they want this the, what is it it's too late it was just my the asinine move of the week it's like we're just gonna have an open request for hot takes for every tom dick and harry on the internet and that's gonna I matter should- here I should I should share them all the polls I like to do on weekends of big golf tournaments. <laughs> yeah, and, what poll like internet poll? What is this? Yeah, shit? I lo- I love it's my favorite thing when when you put up who's a better golfer, Tom Hoagie or Justin Thomas, and Tom Hoagie wins. Or, <laughs> right, 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 right. Does Colin uh, Morikawa stink? And the answer is resoundingly yes on Kapalua uh, Sunday. It's just great that they didn't filter out the people who say they don't understand. It's not clear, and then they can just continue to a- answer all the questions about. Maybe it, we but. should we should activate a uh, a uh, campaign like uh, like the featured pairings. Oh yeah, f- a fan vote Friday type situation. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I, I pondered that hypothetical in the newsletter segment. Does the rollback brigade <laughs> commandeer the ship, overtake it? Then we never know the results of this tailor-made survey. I mean, so. do you think they're going to like publish some of them? Not if not if they don't say exactly what they want. They're like, look, people are mad. This feels like a whatever. It's like a political thing. Just like I want to. Also, by the way, the people answering the questions, the rule doesn't apply to any of them. It's like why? Do you, why do they have a voice? Like none of that. What are they mad about? This is, rule is not doesn't apply to any Joe Schmo answering these questions. All right. Moving on to SGS golf advice. Listen, Send your emails. Listen, Go ahead. it's an important, important fabric of the game is that, you know, even if I'm playing the different tee at a course that the pros play, I can say I made a par on this hole or I made a birdie. That's a, that's, that's a great transition. I'm going to SGS golf advice from Daniel. You can send your emails to sgsgolfadvice at gmail.com. Look, people are sending us DMs on Instagram, Twitter, sending us, I don't know, occasional text messages from friends of the program. Email. Email to sgsgolfadvice at gmail.com. Yeah, don't, don't fill it out is going the to be lost form. to history if you are sending it anywhere else. I'm sorry. We are we are chuckle fucks in our own right, and we can't keep track of that. It has to be in the inbox, sgsgolfadvice at gmail.com. Daniel, talking about playing the same tee boxes and all this other bullshit. My primary course is Memorial Park in Houston, home of the Houston Open. It's a great course, as you know, listeners probably to us would be well aware, with a great price if you live in Houston proper. However, since the renovation and then bringing the Houston Open to Memorial, I've noticed that their tees are never aligned with the scorecards. They have blue yardages in the scorecard where the pros play from, but they never have them set up back there. Makes sense that they wouldn't set them back there. They move the blues to the whites and whites to the golds and so on. On some holes, it even feels like the blues are playing from where the golds should be. Okay, so you're following this? I've also noticed that my handicap has become too low because of this. (laughs) The reverse Aaron Rodgers. I like to gamble a bit on the course, and we have a yearly golf trip where we use our handicaps to help make the teams. So having a proper handicap is important to me in my wallet. What should I do? Should I just not input my scores when I play there? Or should I tell Gin, Jin, that I played from a tee up? I think you probably do that. It's probably what you do, right? What is, what is your solution here? Your handicap's getting too low. You can't risk that. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think that's the answer. You just I think you gotta input. you gotta approximate where you played. I, I, I don't know if this is against the r- rules. Maybe, Gin? maybe yeah. you enter. Maybe you enter in like a slope and rating. Um, in between yeah. the two tees, right? Knowing that you're probably playing some of this, some of that, just pick something right in between, right? Yep. You, if this is a huge problem in your life and you've identified it as that, you know, chart out where every tee was and compare it to the compare it to the card and figure out a reasonable, um, you know, multiple guesstimate, like multiple, yeah. yeah. Don't jam just, yourself. Don't screw yourself. But be honest. Don't you know? I, 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 you're speaking to two guys who probably aren't, you know, foremost experts on the whole handicap 
Well, uh, I mean, true. this is the problem with the handicap system. All right, system. I, yeah, here we go. I know. Yeah. I mean, I've been playing. I've been playing Persimmons, and I played with a modern driver on Monday, and my handicaps with Persimmons. That's true. <laughs> you know, I. I How was I the enjoyed... modern driver? Insane, <laughs> utterly <laughs> insane. Is it forgiving? Like, Did it, it break? It was crazy. It was actually crazy. I like, you know, you get accustomed to the way the ball fall flies off your head, the head of your driver. I was just like shocked. It was like a freaking cannon. Yeah. I mean, I just, it's, it's just after basically a year of this, it was just so crazy playing a full round with, uh, with the, with the modern. Um, all right, next one. So yes, just guesstimate. Try to be I, honest. I got one Don't here. Kill yourself. All right, or go you ahead. Go, you go. I just all have right, a quick, quick, quick story from Jason Page, friend of the program. All right. Who makes all our logos, he, artwork he, coming he, from the masters. This is just a funny he, uh, ass story. Go ahead. Did play. he submit it to golf advice? No. No. So I'm breaking Look my own you. rule. You're I'm breaking, breaking my, the rule just you just story. laid out. Oh, he's, he's a good friend of the program. Um, this is related to your shank tidbit about shank taking his putter everywhere with him. He goes, when I joined Amsterdam Old Course, they had wooden lockers for bag storage, no doors or locks, pretty much open racks for clubs. Everyone was pretty casual about leaving their clubs there, despite many stories of clubs going missing. Not too surprising. I was playing a Scotty Cameron American Classic Bullseye at the time and couldn't imagine leaving it overnight, so I carried on my bike whenever I went to play (laughs) practice. When other members asked about it, I just told them I practiced with it at the house, at my home. Partially true. I puddle out on the carpet sometimes, but I just took it home so it didn't get stolen. So when the course finally got real lockers with doors, I was still in the habit of bringing my putter home for practice and still a little uncomfortable leaving it there. Through all the home practice sessions, the putter became the strongest club in my bag. I won two club championships thanks to my putting. In the past year, I've noticed (laughs) that our pro has started using my putter habits as an example for how other members should practice putting, i.e. Jason takes his putter home with him. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have the heart to tell him that I probably don't putt his home as much as he thinks I do. And it's mostly left over as a habit for me. Don't get the club stolen situation. But the legend lives on. My teammates on our club team have started bringing their putters home as well. The shank effect is real. And now I'm getting texts from all the members of them putting at home. And nobody knows the origin of the story was I just didn't want it to get stolen. Do I break the news or just keep living this, this kind of uh, sham? I think the overall thing here riding on your bike with your putter. I think the overall thing here is is showing care for your putter. I I've like Yeah, that's true. I'm a big believer that half of putting is convincing yourself that you're a good putter. Or yeah, convincing yourself of right. things. I think that's right. So, if you if you bring your putter around with you, you know, is you're gonna be more comfortable with it. Just in general, if you bring it into real life situations, go to the job interview. Hey, you know, this is my putter. I bring it around with me. You know, the more things you experience with your putter, the more comfortable you're gonna be with it. Yep, I like that. Those bike rides, those bike rides. I bet you guys have thought about some, a lot of things together. Yeah, talked some about quality a lot of time, good cute time, uncluttered mind. Right, your phone's not distracting you. It's just you and your putter. All right, which one do you got? All right, Midam living in real winter. Uh-oh. Illinois. Okay. I'm a 33-year-old Midam golfer with a day job as a lawyer. Because we aren't all as smart as Brendan to ditch law school after a semester. Uh, living that. through real winter in Andy's old home of the western suburbs of Chicago, Naperville. My uh, old home. All right. Tough golf seed in Naperville. Last year, I decided to give it a go at competitive golf for the first time since high school and ended up qualifying for the Illinois State Am. Oh, we just talked about these state ams. Yeah, I know. I thought this tied in well. He, You know, he could be playing for a spot in the USAM, maybe. You know, if he's yeah. got enough of a resume. My play at the state am was abysmal. That's okay. That's a starting point. It's like a completely different step up from what you've done for the last 20 years, but qualifying for the state am when I didn't have any expectation to do so only deepened my desire to get back into the competitive landscape. Despite being a new dad with a four month old daughter, that's going to be tough. I'm hopeful that given my improvement last year and the work I put in this winter, I can only continue to improve. 
But to steal a quote from Tiger, I just need more reps and I'm struggling to find the best place to locate more serious AM and mid-AM tournaments in an area outside of the four CDGA tournaments in the U.S. mid-AM qualifier. Given the locale, I'm hoping you can provide some guidance on how to search out, find more tournaments. This this applies everywhere. More serious AM and mid-AM tournaments. Yeah. Okay. Great spot for reps. Find your local manure tour. That's what we called it in Illinois, the manure tour. The Will County Am, which obviously has been Tony Romo, right? A subject of this podcast all the time. You know, you got the Will County Am, you got the Joliet Am, you got the North Shore Am, you got the Lake County Am, you've got like you've got the Chicago Park District Am, so you got the Chicago City Am, you've got all these amateur events basically every weekend of the year. If you live in a, like a major metropolitan area, you can find a little local amateur to play in. So the way you do this, you just, you know, those are for Chicago centric, but like the way I would look at it in other cities is like search whatever County amateur golf tournament, and you're going to find them. And that's where all these guys that play really well in the mid am events, like most of the guys that play really well in the mid am events, the am events in your States are playing weekend golf. They're on the weekends, which is nice and not so nice. You know, obviously with the kid, depending on how your work schedule is, you only got this guy's only got one kid. Like you got a chance, right? With one kid. Um, Are they early morning? You can be uh, done. Well, it depends. Depends on how you play. Yeah, right. Right. If you if you play well, you're going to be late on Sundays. Like usually they're Saturday, Sunday. Right. So in some and a lot of them are like super flexible. You could you can request tea times in these things, you know? Um, so I think that's the way to do it. It, it does. You, you got to get more reps. Oh, I forgot the I 80 M for you. I 80 M and, uh, at the sanctuary. Where's that? Talk about, Oh, and the I 80 M could be in Seattle. Could be in Boston. Could the, be anywhere. In New York. Where the, sanctu- New York. the sanctuary is home to a few of the worst golf holes that I've ever played. What, I mean, what's you so could, bad about them? I confused I eighty with I ninety there. I apologize for geography. The course starts out like it's a pace of play disaster. The third hole is like this short part four. It's got water on the right, twenty yards of fairway, a cart path, and then train tracks on the left. And it's just like you either have to hit like a nine iron and stay short, or you just blast driver up by the green and hope you don't end up out of bounds. But usually you could carry the water. Or, and you don't want to lose your ball in the high grass around the green. But the worst hole there is they have this like hard dog leg par five. And you have to hit a tee shot like into a very specific spot. And then there's a shoot of trees that's like 15 yards wide sure. to hit your next shot. And you can, you have to hook it to get it onto the green. Otherwise, like, but the layup is impossible. Like you're laying up to like a 12 yard wide landing area. It's insane. And then the next hole is a dog leg par three by trees. Like, you have what does that mean? Dog leg par three. <laughs> there are these huge trees. And if they put the pin on the right side of the yeah, green, okay. you either have to hit it, like just hit a towering iron over the tree. <laughs> Like a really high iron yeah. shot. Or you just have to hit a cut or just hit it to like the left side of the green and deal with like the 80 foot putt. It's amazing. They have a back tee on the ninth hole that's like a, a like literally like a like a 10 yard shoot that you have to hit a hook. And it's like 450. And sometimes in the fall in the spring, it's just playing into the wind. It's just a disaster. The sanctuary Sounds is fun. is it's it's hard. So, anyways, uh, that was pretty good. Real world advice from the from the front lines of the mid am circuit, the manure to I, find it. Listen, if you're trying to find reps, it's it's the county ams. Find the county ams, or like, or find like there's sometimes like good scratch games at places. That's a great way to go too. Is find the scratch game where you're playing like, you know, there used to be a great sca- scratch game run by Pepe Irwin at uh, Schaumburg Golf Club. It was what really we, cool. Go ahead. It was so it was uh he would it would you'd break forty bucks. He was the director of golf. He he comped the golf. Some guy named you break forty you're bucks talking ca- about. All right, yeah. go ahead. You break forty dollars cash. Twenty okay. of it went to skin spot, twenty of it went to gross um yep. gross money. And it was he'd pay out depending on how many guys showed up, 
like top four gross guys and then gross skins. And it was awesome. It was great. And it, the tea times were like 6.30, 6.45, you know, ish. So you'd be done with your day at 11 a.m. and have played competitive golf. Like so that. there's lots of these avenues. You just got to get involved. And the best way to do it is is find those like county am guys. Nice. Let's do one more. We'll wrap it up. Quick one. From Ian. My wife's brother-in-law is a terrible golfer, as is my wife's sister. Okay. So the wife's sister and brother-in-law, not blood. That's fine. I know him play with lots of terrible golfers, but he's unceasingly methodical to go along with it. They both take these weird deliberate practice swings, multiple practice swings, where they stand behind the ball, swinging on a perpendicular line to the target. That I just love, the perpendicular deal. Uh, and he's an engineer, so he gets yardages, both gunned and paced, down to the half yard. Via work-related free golf guests, he is hosting golf at a PGA venue while we are on family vacation Family vacation in two weeks. You can figure out which venue. It's a resort golf. It will drive me crazy, but it's fine. No one but me will care. The problem is that when we return home, my wife has set the expectation that we have to host them at our club. Our club has penal slow play policies. If you, are, if you aren't waiting in our over 405 pace, you get one warning. And then if you get a second Dane in six months, you're off the course for a month. Amazing. On their best day, they finish at 445. This is his in-laws. On their best day, they finish at 445, and that may be generous. How can I tell him he's terrible and needs to hurry the F up in two weeks? And how do I avoid hosting? Thanks, Ian. I, I like this. If they actually enforce this at this club, that's great. It's I've amazing. been to a lot of fancy clubs, not fancy clubs, where they try to scare the hell out of you about pace. And so you play fast, but I think it's a little overblown, quite honestly. I think it's it's admirable and aspirational, but uh, do people really enforce it? I hope so. This is great that they do that. Um, I'd say this is a golden opportunity that's fallen into your lap to shift the goalposts, to have a paradigm shift. And your golfing relationship with these in-laws, you are being given an out, a crutch. The man is telling you from the club, this is the way it's got to be. And this is your opportunity to change the narrative, to change the way your in-laws do things and have a hard conversation without being totally the dick, right? Like you can blame the club, you can blame the slow play policies, and hopefully it imposes a longer lasting way for them to play an understanding of pace and how you have to play. I think that's what you do. I think you you this is this is the chance. This is your chance this to is, really change your things family. going forward. Eh, it's your family. It's like you the gotta, wife's sister and then the guy she met too. It's family. I'm saying, but yes. I'm just saying, listen, you're going to put you're going to really jam me if we play slow. So, I'm, I I can't, can't play I can, for, yes, yes. You got to just say you're going to cause me some personal, you know, problems if you play slow you need to play fast and uh hope you have other option suggest playing alternate shot well i mean it seems like even they could find a way to make that you know arduous past 405 too so this is your chance use the policy as a way to kind of have some hard talks and blame them. All right, that does it for SGS golf advice. Everyone enjoy your weekends. Thank you for your continued support of the shotgun start. Uh, we'll have a Monday episode. Andy's on vacation. Maybe we'll get some fill-ins. Then we'll be at Augusta before you know it. Uh, can't wait. Everyone enjoy your weekends. Hopefully you get some good weather out there. We'll talk to you on Monday.